It's good to see you here this morning. We are currently going through our core value series. We have five core values that we keep in focus as a community so that we maintain the direction that we believe God has called us to. The first one was mission is why the church exists. And with these core values, we have metaphors to help us kind of visually see these things. You know, when you hear a story or you see a picture, it allows your mind to grasp hold of it in a a lot bigger way than you might by just hearing something, if it was just informational. That's why Jesus would use parables and things like that. He engaged people to see things in a broader sense. And mission is why the church exists. We use the metaphor of wind. Jesus breathed on the Holy, on the, the disciples, said, receive the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came upon them. The place was shaken. And they were sent out. We are to be a people who are sent. We are on mission. And it is why the church exists. It is not an organization. It is not a social club. We are meant to be people who are postured, leaning out. And the tragedy happens when we as people become focused just inward. When it's all about us, there's nothing wrong with teas or luncheons or uh, women's groups or men's groups. But if it becomes just about those things, if we stop thinking about how are we to reach people outside of our walls, we lose our mission and why we were created. The second one we talked about was love is the context of all for all mission. And we use the metaphor of water. If we are reaching out, it is because we care. And that's what we talked about last week. And that has to be the underlining theme of that. We've all been probably at some point or another the recipient of someone who gave us advice but really didn't love us. They just wanted to fix us. Anyone been there? It's like they just want to tell you how you need to change. And it's because they feel they have the right to. And if you don't sense that it's because you actually care for me, it's really hard to receive those kinds of things. And so love has to be the context for the reason that we go out. Today, we are going to be doing our third. We're using the metaphor of wood. And this is really about us as a community. The core value is structure must always submit to spirit. How many of you are Yelpers? Any of you guys Yelp? Okay, not that many. I am, man, I love Yelp. Oftentimes when I'm doing training, I'll be in a different city and I'll have a break maybe between lessons and I have to grab a bite to eat and I want to find something, you know, good. Yelp. I go on Yelp and and I remember a while back, I was in Orange County and I wanted a hamburger. I wanted a good hamburger. Okay, no McDonald's, no Burger King. I even wanted something besides In-N-Out. I just wanted a good burger. So there I was. I yelped, and I looked at Yelp. And then, you know, as you, if you yelp, if if you want to, if you guys have your Yelp here, you can yelp. And if you just put in there hamburger, which I'm going to do right now, and you pull it up. Okay, the first thing you see is there's some advertisements at KFC. That's not where you go for hamburger. You see, people are paying so that you will think about them, but they're not getting the response from people. That's just, I'm going to pay so that you think about me. Okay, KFC, sorry, you don't do hamburgers. But then you go on, it's got Jim's Burgers. Okay, it's a local review, and they got three and a half stars. You've got Burger King, two stars. Connell's Burgers, four stars. They have a pretty good burger if you haven't had Connell's. Everest, okay, the hat, four stars. You go down, and then here's one, four and a half stars. It's Brothers Burgers. I haven't tried them yet. And then you go down and there's Eureka. Eureka is four stars. How many have been to Eureka? 
How many say Eureka's got bomb burgers? Right? As you look at the Yelp and you see, okay, you know, Brothers Burgers got four and a half stars, but it only has 43 reviews. See, I don't know how big Brothers Family is, but 25 of those might be the family, okay? And so if you see something that's got five stars and it's got one review, you know it's probably the owner and he's saying, yeah, I like my stuff. But Eureka has 1,273 reviews. A lot of people have commented on Eureka. And so then you get to click on it and they have pictures. Oh, man. Excuse me for a moment. If you could see what I'm seeing right now. You wouldn't be here. You'd be at Eureka. And you see, the power of Yelp is that people have gotten together and made this kind of Yelp community. They've become a tribe of Yelpers. And what they do is they post comments, pictures on the things that they like or the things that they don't like so that other people can benefit from that. When I was in Orange County and I did the Yelp, I found this burger place and it had four stars and it had like 900 reviews. I said, wow, this sounds good. I almost drove past the place because it was just a small place. But I went there because, hey, the reviews were good and they were right. It was an amazing burger. In fact, Corinne and I, when we had our anniversary, we went down to the mission in San Juan Capistrano was coming back and we said, well, let's get a good burger. I said, I know a place. (laughs) And we didn't have or want to spend a lot of money, go to a fine restaurant. And you know, sometimes you go to a big restaurant and you don't get something really good. We went there and it didn't let us down. Why? Because there were a number of people who were impressed with this place to say and write, take the time to write a review and say, I like this. And it comes with all the pictures. Oh, you should get these fries. You should get this dressing. Oh, I really love the bacon. It goes on and on and on. It gives you insight to what it is. And you see, they are the ones, those who contributed are the ones who made the difference for this small hamburger stand to make people want to go there because they have been there and are sharing about that. You see, the church is a tribe. I was talking to Alex the other day. I met him at Starbucks or Ortiz, and he said, why do you use the tribe word, man? I saw that, man. What's with the tribe? I go, well, I think it, it helps describe you know, what we are a, a little bit better than sometimes the, the word church. And I'm not opposed to the word church. I just think sometimes it can lose its meaning. Just like I'm not opposed to the word pastor. Okay, Rick said, I don't know, he doesn't like it when I call him pastor. I don't know how to introduce him. You can call me pastor. I don't get mad. Okay, I just think that there is a loss in the terminology sometimes to the point that we're trying to get to. And so the idea of a tribe is we are a group of people connected to one another, connected to a leader, and connected to an idea. That's what a tribe is. We are connected to each other. Our leader is Jesus. And the idea or the cause is the gospel. But you see, it takes all of us to make this tribe. It takes all of us to make the church. And it takes all of us to participate. Turn with me to John chapter 15. Starting at verse 5. Jesus is speaking and he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, And my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. 
This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. We live at a time where everything is so personal. Our faith is personal. I have a relationship with God. It's me and God. We got our own thing going. Yeah, I don't need to go to church because God and I have got our own thing going. And, and we'll even read a passage like this where Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And you think of that as him talking directly to you. I am the vine, you, Sam, are the branches. But I'm not plural. You see, the you that is used here is you as a group. It is collective. That's why the branches is plural. You are the branches. Not just you individually, but you collectively. Because that is who he's talking to. He's not talking just to an individual. He's talking to those who are part of this tribe, this church, those who are his disciples, those who are his followers. And and as he's talking to them, he's wanting them to see that they need to be connected not only to him, but they also need to be connected to each other. And if they're not, they will not produce fruit. And so here is Jesus using this visual metaphor to help us see what he is talking about. And, and you see the, the vine, that grapevine that might be huge at the trunk, it's buried in the ground. It, it is the source for all these branches and these branches are all connected to each other, but they also have to be connected to the, bri- the vine, otherwise they produce nothing. And we have to decide, are are we the you? He's talking about it. If we are, are we the you? If we are, then our lives are to be producing for the Father's sake. And so we have to then decide, are we going to be a spectator or are we going to be a contributor to this tribe? Are are we going to be the ones who just look at the app and get the information, but we never contribute to it? You see, if everyone had that mentality, well, I want to, to receive something, but I don't want to give something back, then you're good for nothing. You're, you're separated from other branches. You're separated from the vine. You're not helping the community. And it doesn't matter if it's in a church or if it's in the Yelp community. If you aren't a contributor, then you're not actively involved with that tribe. And when Jesus says you, he means us. That if we are connected to him, our lives are supposed to produce something. You see, many times we we want to be a part of something, but we don't really want to be involved. And and then what happens is we we become a part of a system. And we get comfortable in that system. You see, but if, if you love a system you lose the ability to grow because you are stuck to the system. And so if you love the idea of church and this is how it is, you know, you have the song, you have a sermon, you have coffee donuts and that's it. As long as the system stays to your liking, you'll stay connected to the system. But the system doesn't change. People change the systems. And as soon as something goes outside of that norm, you no longer love it. Why? Because I loved the system and now they've changed it. Have you ever done that? Gone to a place, a restaurant, and they changed the menu? And it was your favorite and it's not there anymore? I hate that. I used to love the Cajun pasta with shrimp. 
But now they changed it. And I don't love it anymore. I, I liked it the way it was. And we're not people who like change. Someone, a friend, sent me a, a little booklet that he wanted me to read and get my opinion. And it was basically critiquing a couple of, of churches that I particularly like. And he wanted to know what I thought. And, and the whole premise of this book was that they have changed the structure that they believe God has established. And when they said that, immediately I just started thinking, well, you know, there's been a lot of times that the structure of how things have been done has been changed. Martin Luther did it when he nailed his thesis on the door of the church. He was called a heretic. And a lot of times, you know, this is what happens. Jesus did it when he, he changed how they saw and understood the Scriptures. Paul did it as well. And every time there is these people who bring change, they're called heretics. And basically that's what this person was doing, was calling these churches heretics because they weren't doing things according to what they believed was the system. And I felt that their idea of the system was very flawed. And people always use Scripture to try and support their system. And the Scripture then becomes a tool to conform people instead of to release people, as if it was meant to say this is the only way you can do church. And so he was blasting the fact that there is contemporary music. Well, what music are we supposed to be using? When is contemporary? Because he was going back, well, you know, it should be the hymns and the things like that. I go, well, you know, at one time those weren't contemporary. Those at one time were heresy. You're, you're not supposed to sing like that. And, and so his idea, his plumb line was based on a structure. A structure that he became committed to and when he saw things that changed from it, he didn't like it. But you see... If we are the branches, and if we are the ones who produce fruit, then the fruit our lives produce come from the people we are. In other words, the fruit from your life is going to be in this arena. The fruit from your life is going to be in this arena because that is where you live. You're connected to the vine here in construction. You're connected to the vine here in, in teaching. And you're connected to the vine here as a mom. You're connected to the vine here as you fill in the blanks. Wherever you are connected to Christ is where your life produces the fruit. And it doesn't look the same. Oh, it's all similar in that it has good qualities to it, but it also comes from you. And, and as we are connected, we should be producing. And what happens is many of us become sheepwalkers. We, we stop becoming producers. We just start following. And like a sleepwalker doesn't really have intention they're just living in this kind of dream walking i think a lot of people who are sheepwalkers they they feel that i'm here that's enough i go to church so i'm good i believe in jesus everything's fine i i do what the church wants me to do so everything's okay but you see god doesn't feel organizations with his spirit he fills people with his spirit and when we stop and relinquish what God has done in my life 
to an organization, I have stopped the movement that Jesus himself started. I don't want to be a part of a church. I want to be a part of a movement. A movement that is changing the world around me. And we will not have a movement if we are committed to an organization. A movement only happens when individuals recognize their participation in the work that God is doing. That we need each other, we need Him, but the organization needs you. And so what we don't want to do is tell you where God wants you. I've been a part of churches where that's how they are run because they can run efficiently that way. We need someone to do this. Okay, let's find someone. Hey, you, can you do this? I guess so. Okay, great. You're, you're, you're called by God. Um, do this. And the person does it, and they do it well enough. They're doing the job. They've got the, the right curriculum. They know how to do it. And so they just go through the motions, and they take care of the steps, and it gets done. Good, that's taken care of. What else do we need? Okay, we need this. Okay, let's find someone. Okay, let's do that. Instead of allowing people to step into the areas that they feel moved to, the areas where their lives produce fruit to. You see, we should look like who we are. Genesis should look like its people, not like what my idea of a church should be. Because God fills people. God uses people. And so some of you have a passion for certain areas. With Denise, it was for Haiti. Why are we in Haiti? Because Denise was in Haiti. That's how it is. We, as Genesis, wouldn't be in Haiti if Denise wasn't there first. So who's leading? Well, when it comes to Haiti, Denise is. Well, aren't you in charge? Heck no. Just started taking the malaria pills. I've been having some wild dreams the last few nights. It's just like. <laughs> wake up like, hey, did I sleep? You see, we look like who we are. And if Denise were to leave, God forbid, our effect in Haiti would probably change. We still might be committed there, but it would probably change because part of that branch that reached out over there is now not there. That's how the church is supposed to be. So here's the challenge to us, to the you that Jesus is talking about. What, what is he wanting you to do? Where are, are you a part of what what fruit are you producing because you're not here to be a bystander you're not a part of this community to just come and listen i mean yeah you're welcome here we're not going to kick you out but there's something in you and I think the problem is a lot of us have been put into a place where God speaks to the leaders and the leaders tell us what to do. And so now we wait for someone to tell us what to do instead of hearing the Spirit of God speak to our soul and our lives start producing fruit. And so this area of service is really what needs to take place because it's difficult to live a full life that Jesus spoke about in John 10.10. 10. I've come that you might have life and you might have it to the full. 
He's talking in that context about the false leaders. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Those who are watching over the people and holding them down, specifically the Pharisees in that passage. They, They have come to steal, kill, and destroy. What are they stealing? What are they killing? What are they destroying? They're destroying the potential of your life that God has intended for you to have in communion with Him. They have destroyed the life link between you and God and said that you have to go through them to get to God. And Jesus says, no, I am here for you. You don't have to go through them. You can come to me, all you labor and who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. You will find peace and rest for your souls for my burden is easy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You now can come to me. And so, if we're going to have the full life that Jesus wants us to have, it's not going to be found in a system. It's not going to be found sitting still. It's going to be found in the dynamic living engaged with the living God. And the area that we work in is going to be in the areas of service. The church is built around the unique gifting of each individual and the dynamic relationship that we have with one another as we serve. In service, for whatever reason, you develop a connection. See, I I can talk to people who have been in the areas where I have been in serving and we have that inside kind of relationship. See, if I tell all of you, I can't wait to get to the Olufsen. You're like, what's the Olufsen? Denise knows what the Olufsen is. It's the hotel that is the oasis before you get out of the country. It's a nice little hotel that you get to go and stay to and it's just quaint and it's cool. And so when you're staying at some other places, can't wait to get to the Olsen. Oh, we have that. Oh, I know about that. What room did you stay in? I stayed in the Mick Jagger room. I did. Because <laughs> they've had a lot of people go and they name these rooms after these people. Well, you see, because we've gone to Haiti, there is this language that we've developed and we understand. Same thing happens with Mexico. Same thing happens when you take food with the word indeed on a Saturday morning. You develop a connection with each other. You see, he's the vine. You are the branches. You need, of course, to be connected to the vine, but you need each other too. And so many times we detach ourselves from this area of service and we think it's okay. And you've lost a vitality and a dynamic to your life because that is connected to other people. And it's connected when we serve. Serve what? Serve the purposes that God is wanting to accomplish in and through us. Servanthood is the key to connection. Serving others with others is the surest way to having your own needs met. They have found that people with chronic pain, whether it's back pain or other types of pain, if they will take up painting that the painting actually takes their mind off of the pain so that their focus is on the things that they're working on. All of a sudden they realize, well, my, my back didn't hurt me for that time that I was painting. Why? Because I was doing something else. So many times our lives are hurting and the answer is we need to start doing something else. Man, my life is just, I feel so much pressure on my life. I feel like, man, the world is coming down on me. What do I need to do? Well, are you serving? I can't serve. I'm working, I'm doing this, and I'm doing this. Well, maybe you should cut off some of the doing and add in a little bit of serving and see what it does. Maybe the areas that need to change in the areas that we serve. And like the painter, you find that, wow, my my pain is gone when I was working on this. You'll find that the pains of life start to diminish when you're serving with others and doing something for others. It changes you 
and not only the things that you're working on. A, a community that is like this, this organic, this this community that is alive, and the, the metaphor of wood is that of the vine, the branches. It is of a tree. It's not dead wood that's on the floor. It's something that is actually active. The organic community moves with the life of the Spirit. The Spirit does not dwell in the structures, programs, or methods. He dwells in people. Can't overemphasize that. We, we've been saying it. You don't go to church. You are the church. And that's why terminology is so important to me. That's why I don't like words like sanctuary or service. Not because I'm against culture. You see, that's what this book that I read was all about. Well, they, they've left the, the, you know, the traditions. What? Because I call it a community instead of a church? The word church is a transliteration. It's not actually in the original. The word ecclesia means a gathering. The word church comes from the Latin kirche, a building. We are not a building. We will never be a building. We will never be an organization. As long as we have living people moved by the Spirit of God, we will be a movement the will of God as it shows up in each of our lives and we will not settle for anything less. And I don't care if you don't like the terminology. What I care about is do you understand the meaning? The terminology isn't the vitality that we're trying to connect to. It is the work of God that we are connected to. And the Spirit of God doesn't dwell here at this school, doesn't dwell in the building we have, doesn't dwell in a sanctuary, doesn't dwell in a temple. No matter how beautiful it is, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God dwells in you. God works through you. You are the branches. You are the body of Christ. Spiritual maturity cannot exist outside of healthy relationships. If you are going to grow spiritually, it has to be with other people. I'm always surprised at how many people think that they can answer the issues in their life, in their marriage or relationships by knowing more Bible. Well, I know these verses. Pharisees knew a lot of verses. It's not the knowing that changes. It's the dynamic of the relationship. It doesn't matter if you know that God is love and that we are to love one another if you don't actually love one another. Knowing it doesn't change you. Doing it does. And so we have to be developed in these areas of relationships. In the same way, a vibrant spiritual ministry is the result of dynamic, interdependent on other believers in service of humanity. A community that is vibrant and alive is a community that is connected to each other, serving and working with each other for the benefit of the things that God cares about. Do we want to be that kind of community? If the answer is yes, then... We need you. Genesis changes every time somebody leaves. When someone leaves our community, we are different. It also changes every time someone attends. Because when you come here, you bring all the potential that God has in you with you. And we need you to be a vibrant, active community. And when someone leaves... We've lost part of that. And there's times where we want to, you know, something is going good because someone was there to fill in that role and then they leave. Well, let's keep filling it up and we'll try and keep resuscitating life into it. And we're saying, no, we're going to keep this ministry alive. And we're just pumping a, why? Well, where's so-and-so? They left, but it's okay. It's a good ministry. You know, and, and, and all of a sudden, man, we're sweating and it's like, it's flatlining. It's like, let it go, man. Let it go. 
The ministry is dead. We started praying first Monday of every month. We have two people come. If you guys don't want to gather to pray, I'm not going to keep pumping life into it. We'll find, I want to pray. We're not going to stop praying. Well, you don't pray. I'm not going to pray. We're going to pray, but we, we don't meet on Monday so that the two, three of us could pray. We meet the first Monday of the month so as a community we can gather together, cry out to God for what we need to do as a community and what God wants to do in us as a community. If you don't want to come, I'm not going to try and breathe life into it. We've done that with the communion services, the love feast that we did. Started off vibrant. Everyone was wanting to be there. All of a sudden, okay, if you don't want to be there, I'm not going to breathe life into it. I'll show up. I'll do my part, but I'm not there to try and make it happen. It has to happen because we are connected to each other and want it to happen. I'm not going to try and keep something alive just because I think it's a good idea. If this is just about me, then I'll just make it a structure. I'll make it an organization. I'll just put managers there. This is not what Genesis is. It's not what the church of Jesus Christ is. We are supposed to be alive and dynamic. Our branches are fused together as we take up the task of servanthood and servanthood becomes for us the practical expression of God's love overflowing in our hearts. When you care about something and you care about someone, you are willing to invest. The reason that food or that dinner list filled up for Terry so quickly is because so many people love her and empathize with what she's going through. It wasn't a problem. Why? Because I'm there for her. I care for that family. I love them. I can cook a dinner. I'll do it. That's what happens when we care. That's what happens when we love. We want to do that. What do you love? What do you love more concisely? What do you love to do for God and for others? See, the worst thing I can do is put someone in a place who doesn't love being there. It's punishment. Not only for them, but for the people who I put there. You ever put someone in charge? Well, hey, I want you to go and, you know, help the kids. I don't really like kids. It's okay. <laughs> I want you to go there. It's torture for everyone. He hates it. The kids hate it. Get him out of here. I hate that guy. He scares me. <laughs> but then you get someone who loves the kids. Like Terry loves our kids. And our kids love Terry. Daughter's 25 years old. Still calls her teacher Terry. Why? Because she loves to be there. She wants to be there. And that's where we want her and that's where we're praying the Lord restore her and bring her back I believe God is looking for people who are no longer wanting to be led by a group of men or leaders but people who are wanting to be led by the spirit of God God is searching out for you just like he did Jeremiah just like he did to Isaiah who shall I send Isaiah said I'm here send me God is looking for people who will step up and say, I want to be a part of what you're doing and I love doing this. It's fruit growing from your life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talks about this a little bit more. Starting at verse 12, he says, Just as a body, through one, though one has many parts, but all of its many parts from one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as so to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, 
it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. Just because it says, oh, i not a hand, it doesn't stop being part of the body. Just because you say, oh, I can't, doesn't stop you from being part of the body. The problem is, if you do nothing, then Jesus said in John 15, then you're good for nothing. And you'll find yourself isolated and you will wither and you will die. So he goes on and he says, verse 16, and if the ear should say, because I'm not I, do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? And so you are a part of that body. You, the collective, are a part of the collective body of Christ. And how you function is going to be how God has created you, not how I tell you to be. You see, a pastor is not there to tell you how to live. A pastor is to help you to live how God has created you to live. I'm here to try and connect you to God, not to connect you to Genesis. I'm not here to make you do my will. I'm here to help you to see the will of God in your life. And every one of you has a part. You are all different. You are all creative in your own way. And we'll get to that one later on. Because creativity is the natural result of spirituality. It doesn't mean all of you are dancers or painters or musicians, but you all are able to produce something in your life because God has created you. And so just because you say you're not doesn't mean you aren't still part of what God has done and is doing. Verse 20, as it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you, although sometimes mine does. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker and in, are indispensable. Those of you who think you have nothing to give, you are the ones we are waiting for because you have the most to give. And if you think that you don't have anything to give to the work of God, then you don't know God and you don't know what he has created you to be. And that's the shame. And that's what we are here for. We are here to, to come beside you and to exhort you and to encourage you because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are the light of the world. And if you don't realize it, then we are missing your potential. You are indispensable. Verse 23, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. For if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. If one member suffers, we all suffer. If one person is honored, we are all honored. You know, I, I found so often that there was this, this lack in those who were leaders to honor those who were serving. Well, you're just a servant. You're supposed to do that. And, and then I found when I went to another community at Mosaic, I found, wow, the pastor really honors these people. 
And, and now I think more highly of them because of the pastors honoring them. And, and it was like, why wouldn't we honor people? Why wouldn't we say, man, they're doing an amazing job? Why wouldn't we encourage people? Oh, because of pride. Well, what does he mean of honor? You see, we are to honor people and recognize their position, recognize their gifts. They're not trying to make them something they're not. We have the choice of how we are going to respond to the fact that we are part of the body. We always have a choice. When there is something that happens, there's one of three ways we can deal with it. One is we react. You hear a noise, you react. Something went bump in the middle of the night. You react. Oh no! What was that? You respond. That's another way. Honey, go see what it is. It's better than reacting, now you're responding, or you get up to go see what it is. And that's the other, the third part, is the initiate. You can either react, you can respond, or you can initiate. God is waiting for you to initiate work for His kingdom, for His purpose. God is waiting for us to cause the event, to make the change to do something that is effective for his sake. Again, that book that I had read, it was all about keeping things the same. It's all about this is all you're supposed to do. And so when someone breaks that mold to try and reach people outside of the mold he set, that he said was the right way, they're considered a heretic. See, but the ones who bring change are always called heretics. The ones who bring the work of God in a way that changes the lives of people at one time were called heretics. The modern church has often established programs, structures, and even roles and positions before it even knows the people that are there. doesn't matter who you are. You will fit our program. You will fit our role. You will fit the title we will give you. You have a position and you've got to find someone to fill it. We recruit volunteers just to fill slots. And you see, we at our core refuse to do that. Structure must always submit to spirit. The things that need to be done must always submit to the work of God in the people of God to fill the positions that the people are there to fill, not to fill the positions we decide they need to fill. And if we're going to respect the gifts, the talents, the uniqueness of everybody that's here, then we have to be willing to change. We have to be willing to adapt. When someone comes in who's gifted in a certain area, then let's utilize those gifts. It'd be great if we had some artists who could do some art and we could put up on the walls or could do some things like that. It would change who we are. And you see, that's why you're indispensable. There are things that you can do that I can never do. And we need you. The community needs you. And God wants to use you. If a person's contribution is honored and respected, then they will make a difference. See, a connection environment is the birthplace for a dynamic ministry. A place where people are connected, recognized, and their gifts honored and celebrated is the place of a dynamic ministry. Because Christ came that you would have life and you would have it to the full. And the way you're going to live a full life is by doing the things God has created you to do. And it will result in the fruit that we all get to enjoy. So recognize your value. Not just to the community here at Genesis, but to the work that God wants to do. Remember this. The church is God's agenda for the world. You don't go to church. You are the church. We are the body of Christ. Let's pray.
Lord, I wonder what would happen if we recognized the potential that you have created us in. I wonder what would happen if we saw opportunities and instead of thinking of them as something we could take it or leave it, but saw them as obligations that we were created for, of how it would change our lives. Where would we be if we moved from a place of a spectator into a place of a participant? Lord, what would happen if we saw the potential that you have created us with. God, I pray that this morning that there has been an awakening within our souls, an awakening to the fact that we are here to contribute, we are here to serve with, we are here to be a part of, we are here to find our place in. that when you said you are the branches, you were talking to us collectively. And I pray that has been awakened. Lord, I ask that you would bring clarity in our lives to the things that are useful for you, the, the things that we can do that no one else can, areas where we can contribute Lord I know that there is fear and so, there are so many people Lord who don't think they have anything to give there are so many people who've been lied to who have listened to the voice that said that they're good for nothing said that they're not able to that they don't know enough that they aren't qualified enough Lord, it is those people who have changed the world that we live in. Lord, I pray for these people to change our community. Might you stir and awaken within them what is needed to bring life to those around us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.